Today's podcast is brought to you by Brovid19. Brovid19 is a new virus specifically designed to only affect dumb frat guys crowding the beaches. Don't worry about your party time being affected, bruh, because Brovid19 is conveniently designed in liquid form, so you can take it right down that beer bong or ice luge. Brovid19 specifically knocks idiots out with cold-like symptoms for a few weeks while actual viruses are finally able to die down. Brovid19, a quarantine mandate for morons. So what do we do now at the strange imposition? How do we define something with no definition? Man, I'll give it a shot. This life, it's a battle, and I'd rather fight for good than be herded like cattle. Welcome to the program. My name is Corey Hill, and today I'm speaking with an Orlando native, a fellow alumnus of my alma mater, University of Central Florida, Florida House District 47 Rep, Anna Eskamani. Anna, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me, Corey. And in the interest of full disclosure, I should add that I am a volunteer with your campaign, so maybe I'm a bit biased, but I'm completely fine. <laughs> You're amazing, and we're so grateful for everything you do in our community. Well, I wanted to talk to you today about something that's on everyone's mind. We're now over 300,000 cases in the U.S. and over 12,000 here in Florida. And you can tell me if that's still accurate of COVID-19. I want to talk, start with this Tampa Bay Times article that you retweeted uh, that goes into great detail over uh, the last 15 years or so of the response uh, capability here in this state having been cut time and time again um, and where that might have left us a little unprepared. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, one thing about COVID-19 and you know, folks who are listening, like I, I just wish you health and, and care and, and I, and I, and I, I know together we'll get out of this together, but I think what has become very clear in a state like Florida is just a complete disregard for public health infrastructure when it came to us taking the the threat seriously, but also just taking the health and well-being of everyday people seriously. I mean, of course, if you have money in this state, you're going to be able to get care. And that always seems to be the, the priority of my colleagues is that there's a focus on on those with means versus those that have nothing. And, and that's where government is supposed to be the safety net, it's supposed to make sure that no matter how much money you make or how sick you get, that you're going to have resources available to you and that you're not going to be in debt because of it. And unfortunately, that latest, that latest investigative reporting with Tampa Bay Times demonstrated just intentional efforts to uh, cut away at programming design for emergencies just like this. And meanwhile, we increase corporate tax refunds, right? So nothing happens in an isolated fashion. Like when programs are cut, it's because someone else is getting money and and some other entity is benefiting. And I think it's become pretty clear in Florida that time and time again, when we don't fund programs, it's on the backs of working people suffering and of major uh, political donors getting what they want. Yep. And I know that um, there are some aspects of the response that are kind of out of the purview of, of your particular position. Um, but I have seen that your office has taken a great deal of initiative in terms of doing what you can uh, to respond to folks and you know some of the stuff with the Department of Economic Opportunity. Um, can you tell us about some of that? I would love to. It's 
I was just talking to one of my other um, Democratic colleagues in South Florida, and I asked him how he was doing, and he said, "Oh, you know, you know, we're, we're doing we're we're doing our best, and I, I feel like our office has turned into into DEO." <laughs> and mm-hmm. I was like, "Wow, like I feel the same. Like the Department of Economic Opportunity has just let has it's it's a, it's shameful, Corey. It really is." Uh-huh. Their website does not work. Um, if anything, it's torturous. It makes the situation worse. And their customer service is non-existent. And so we have really had to get creative and try to fill in these gaps by um, being a facilitator between the people and this executive agency. That is how Floridians will access unemployment insurance, which includes not only what state benefit is available, but the federal benefit as well. And so we have um, done our part to uh, try to get DO to call people for their issues versus people wait on the, on the phone for hours, hours. Um, We've also just put a lot of pressure on DO to get this right. So, um, you know, folks have asked me, do you have a direct line to the governor? Do you have a direct direct line to, um, you know, why does DO call you, but not, not me? And I want to be clear I have to fight as a lawmaker just to get on the phone with the governor's staff or to get on the phone with um, DEO staff. And so it's, it's, it's embarrassing. It really is. And um, even this weekend, as we're recording this, like I have texted DEO, their legislative director multiple times, not heard back yet. And I'm going to probably call later today. And so it's a constant battle for information to make the process more accessible. And one quick example, late Friday night, the paper applications for DO became available. Mm-hmm. And I actually only saw it on Twitter. I mean, I knew it was going to happen. We were communicating that it was going to happen to folks who have contact our office and on social media. But um, the, when the link became available, it's only because I saw someone else uh, share it. It wasn't shared to me from DO. So, you know, we jumped to action. We made the, we did a, a, a social media postings. We, we got it on different platforms where folks can see it. And then we sent out an email to um, the list of people we have that we're working with. So they know, hey, if you want to do a paper form, especially for some of our elderly folks, it's preferred. Um, you know, here's the option. And uh, uh, little did I know that for reporters, no one had told them either. They only learned about it because of of, of our advocacy on it. And again, that's that's not good government. Like when a form becomes available that people are desperately waiting for, you better be ready for people to use it and and ask about it. And to this day, two days later, people still can't find a PDF on the website. I have to, I have to send the link because it's so hard to navigate the website. So there's small things like that. And then it's macro issues like the system just as a whole being designed to not work, literally being designed by governor Rick Scott's administration. Now, Senator, to uh, really dissuade people from completing it, to keep unemployment rates low. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that is how insidious this is. And the benefits that people receive is it's only $275 a week. Thank goodness the federal program adds $600 because no one could survive with that. So, you know, COVID-19 is, is exposing a lot of the issues that many of us have talked about uh, and, and bring it to life for a greater number of, of Floridians. And, you know, the only hope I have in all this is of course that we get out of it together, but the B that, um, we fix these systems long term. that when we get back to legislative session, they'll, they'll, they'll finally be an, an admit, an admittance of just people admit how bad this really is yep. and a commitment to fix it long term. And do you happen to know, um, 
back of the napkin what the uh, what the change in the volume of requests to the uh, yeah. uh, DEO was, you know, kind totally. of. And, yeah. Well, I mean, so applicants, right? Uh, back of the napkin in the first, so from January 2nd to about, I think it was March 12th, March 13th, there were 49,000 applicants. So in, in about a three month time span, right? Uh-huh. In the last two weeks of March, there were 312,000 applicants. And that is counting only if you actually complete. So that could, that, it could be a completely and to add to that and to add that excellent point not only is it only the number of people that actually got through um many are still you know have pending status and whatnot but um it's folks who couldn't get through and and now with the with the cares act signed and florida signed florida deo department of economic opportunity signed a contract with the u.s department of labor um last week to implement the federal parts of the of, of the of unemployment insurance. So I mentioned part of it already, right? So it increased six hundred dollars per week for those who qualify at the state level, and then six hundred dollars a week extra following that. That's federally funded for everyone who qualifies. Um, after Florida's twelve weeks are over, you get potentially thirteen weeks of federal support. But it also expands the eligibility to more people who right now don't have anywhere to go in Florida, and that includes self-employed people. Um, and gig economy workers. And so those folks have not even been able to apply yet. <laughs> so, cause we're still waiting for DO to update their application and to uh, create the opportunity for these now eligible folks to apply for federally funded benefits. And, and so that's another flood of people, right? Who are waiting, who will go to this website for support. And now we know that Disney plans to furlough staff in mid April so that's going to be another wave of folks looking for support. So it has just been so frustrating. And I warned the governor's office about the need to hire more staff in early March because I had spoken to one of my colleagues who's in the hotel industry. We were in Leadership Orlando together and we're, we're politically different on some other issues, but he reached out to me and said, hey, my, I just want you to know, I hope Florida's ready for this because I've never seen hotel occupancy rates this low before. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, he was basically predicting layoffs that would come. And so um, I, I warned the governor's office about it. And I was basically told, Oh yeah, you know, I guess we could hire some part-time staff or I'm sorry, um, contract staff. And I was like, well, if you're going to do that, you got to do it now. <laughs> And so, you know, we saw DO do this flush of hiring right now, like, uh, you know, but it's like, Geez, you know, it takes, I was told that it takes three weeks to train a staff member on, on connect the website we're talking about uh-huh. and that the pin reset training is really short, but training for the whole website is longer. And I'm like, we don't have three weeks. We don't have three weeks. So we got to get folks on the phones, helping people right now. So, so it's been one of our biggest battles and we're, 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 we're in it. We're in it to make sure that, you know, when folks at least call us or email us or send me a direct message, at least there'll be a human on the end of that, of that response. But um, it is, it has been really, really tough. So this next one might be impossible to answer, but uh, I'm going to try anyway. <laughs> Why do you think that there has been such a, a, pretty almost uniformly uh, failed response on the part of, uh, I would mostly say places that are, are run by Republicans, but 
<laughs> right. Oh what, my goodness. What, what's the explanation for like, why didn't DeSantis act sooner? Right. And that's on every front, right? So it's on stay-at-home order, on yep. CEO staff, on even having enough PPE, on... Yeah, I mean, um, comprehensive in its... Right. Yeah. Right. It's not even just in one area. Um, I mean, I think the first thought is that leadership starts from the top, right? And in our case, it's, it's President Trump for yeah. the country. And uh, Governor Ron DeSantis is very close to President Trump. I mean, he won because President Trump endorsed him. Yeah. And and so I don't think Governor DeSantis would and and any of those like major Trump supporters who are in office right now, they don't move unless Trump tells them to, and and that's I mean one example one literal example is the stay at home order. So there was the weekend where um, Trump you know all of a sudden says that the CDC has new guidelines for thirty days of you know intentional social distancing and and saying that stay at home is what is the guidance. Yeah. And so sure enough, the next day, it was Monday, we saw the Department of Education announce that schools would be closed longer. Um, and then the next day, Florida announces their stay at home order, which I will say has lots of loopholes. And that's the other concern we have. But it was, it was basically just the, it was, you know, following the leader, right? And our leader federally, President Trump is not someone to trust on this issue. And which is why we've seen very strong state executive leadership across the country, except here. And and I I've told you know other reporters and and constituents like leadership rises in moments of uncertainty. There's a lot of uncertainty out there, but there's there's not a lot of leadership. So it's resulted in people like myself and our county leaders and our city leaders to really really have to step up to fill in that gap. And, you know, what's frustrating is that I have a staff of two, Corey, like we are, like I was up all night Friday um, going through emails literally for unemployment issues and also um, rent issues, especially for our college students right now. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I just can't help but think like, geez, you know, like we, we don't have that many like resource at our fingertips as a state house lawmaker, but we are getting a lot done and we're having an impact. And if we had a governor that, you know, carry that same sense of urgency early on and, and it would be so different, it would be so different right now. So, you know, a lot of us are, it's, it's also kind of like, we're, we're, we're just, we're always, we're, we're behind, right? Like we're behind in, in every steps we could have taken to flatten the curve to get people their benefits. Um, and, and again, I do think it's grounded in like, taking taking advice from Trump, which is the worst thing to do, and also not taking concerns seriously. I mean, there are people out there who are calling this a hoax from the very beginning. And those folks are very influential with President Trump and others. And this notion of prioritize the economy over the health of people and letting people die so that people can go shop again is insane. And And I have made it very clear to everyone in our district and beyond that I want to solve the economic crisis just like anyone else, but we can't solve the economic crisis without solving the public health crisis first. And that's where our focus needs to be. Yeah. I mean, I think I've always uh, kind of held a certain opinion of, you know, certain ideological bents, but it, it seems to me that in the face of this, which is literal um, lives at stake, when right. you see this level of indifference to me. Right pretty mind-boggling to me that these people have been able to hold power and win elections uh, right. 
with such callousness, you know, running through everything. Uh, and it's, and it's amped up to 10 now. Well, and to give you one example, right? So this was maybe three weeks ago. I was, um, you know, asking for a stay-at-home order and I was being per usual, like very direct about it. And um, it was, uh, th- in this case, I was I was tweeting about closing the beaches. Like, why are the beaches still open, right? Uh-huh. I had a Republican House member, one of my colleagues, who I am... I, I try so hard to be respectful to all my colleagues because these are people that I work with, right? And, and, and there will be issues we agree on. So I, I, I really do hold back on like direct trolling my colleagues. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he tweeted at me, oh, I thought uh, whatever happened to home rule? And so for folks who don't know, like home rule is this concept of local control and allowing local governments to make their own decisions and to um, you know, be able to uh, pass ordinances around gun issues, around um, neighborhood neighborhood um, decisions around like gardening or uh, streetlights or tree pr- tree printing. Like honestly, the state has preempted issues from earn sick time to um, gun safety, all the way down to something like where can I where, where can I plant my trees? Right. That's how how ridiculous Florida has been with preemption, and the fact that he was trying to have a debate with me on preemption during a public health crisis was so immature, so disingenuous and, and hurtful to the fact that in a state of emergency, what do we all do? We look towards the state for guidance and for statewide decisions. And again, it was, it was so, it was so arrogant and, and, you know, I just tweeted back, um, Oh, is that something, you know, you, you know a lot about? Because this guy in particular, he, he he passed a bill to preempt sunscreen ordinances. Like, you know, he is so anti-home rule. And then they sent another Republican colleague to, like, uh, intervene, if you will. And, like, you know, like, and he was like, now's not the time to talk about politics. And I tweet back and I said, tell your colleague that. And it was, again, like, to this point of, like, how immature and like self-absorbed are all of you right now, you know, like get out of your head. Like this is not about like your individual uh, like political ideology right now. Like we need to talk about what's best for the whole state and I'm willing to work alongside anyone to do that. And it just, and, but, but you know, our governor isn't like he, he has a, a Democrat emergency management director who I'm sure is giving him the best advice and like trying to get through to him. And yet you know, this is where we are right now. So it's, 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 it's very much grounded in where are they taking their orders from? And it's, it's from a president of the United States that does not care about public health and, and, and changes his mind every day. And so if that's where you're getting your orders from, like, no wonder we're in this situation and no wonder it's getting harder to get out of it. Yeah. I think I'm in a position, obviously I don't have to work with these people every day to be slightly freer in my observations. (laughs) Please Uh, go on, go on. I don't, I think it's odd to me to approach most of what the Republican Party is now as if they are being intellectually honest or as if they're trying to meet you on the same footing because a lot of the time they're clearly not. And it's weird. It's it's like Lucy with the football, especially at kind of the national level with, um, you know, Democrats in the House or in the Senate of, oh, well, you know, they say they care about the debt or they say, well, they don't. I mean, they care about power. And the exercise well, they, that. they talk about being pro-life, right? Yeah. But they're, like, now they're saying, oh, well, you know, if we have to kill 200,000 people to make sure our right. uh, quarterly earnings don't go down. I mean, it's, 
it's right, right. bizarre to me that especially kind of in those realms and on like cnn there's this just like collective fiction fiction of like right. oh well, right. you know they're both kind of trying to come together i'm like well no not really <laughs> well, and, and don't get me started on like you know all these you know the number of people who call who call me socialist in an effort to uh, hurt me politically because i care about working families and i, I care about healthcare access and um those same people are the ones that want their want their checks. You know, they want they want the government to give everyone checks and like support all these. Like they want rent renter issues. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, the next time I talk about renters' rights and I talk about rent control and I talk about um, healthcare access for all and and these type of programs, okay, I'm gonna make notes because you, you like you if you're gonna call me a socialist, then so are you. Right. And, and to just like, like call them out on this ideology of convenience they play all the time. Today's podcast is brought to you by Sweden. No need to lock us down. No need to flock home Stockholm. We trust our residents to distance themselves responsibly. We're really not that worried. After years of eating meatballs and pickled herring, our breath is usually so bad that everyone stands a few feet apart naturally. Sweden. You try telling Greta Thunberg to stay inside. The odds are against us. Government won't defend us. And they draw the districts so nobody represents us. Ice caps are melting and the storms are persistent. Guns so easy to get that war is consistent. It's all overwhelming. So can you talk to me a little bit about the letter that you sent along with uh, Rep- Representative Carlos G. Smith to Governor DeSantis regarding uh college students and asking for an executive order regarding uh you know their ability to to get out of leases absolutely so we've actually been advocating on a lot of issues pertaining to homeowners um especially renters but also even commercial renters as well which again happy to unpack later but i mean the end of the day is people are not receiving any type of income because when, when the business is closed or they lost their job but despite not having revenue coming in, the bills don't stop. So we have been really committed to trying to find a relief for folks from these monthly payments. So, I mean, one example is uh, we were able to get Florida Power and Light, one of the state's uh, largest utility companies, and arguably a very powerful political force as well, um, made the commitment that they were not going to disconnect families who, who uh, couldn't pay their bills on time, which every other utility company at that point already done. Um, and then we also sent a letter to the governor around um, uh, freezing evictions and foreclosures, which he eventually did um, uh, by the, our request, request of many other, mostly Democrats um, from the state of Florida. And, and I will say, even with that moratorium, it does not fix the concern because bills can still pile up. But it is a delay tactic for someone to be able to stay in their home, even if they can't uh, pay right now. But on this point of college students, it has proved to be a really frustrating situation and one that is um, one that is full of predatory behavior by the companies that operate these large campus housing complexes. Uh So long story short, we have students um, in our state colleges, our private colleges and our state universities that have been told to go home. Classes in person are canceled and uh, they've switched to virtual learning and they have been encouraged to go home. I mean, campuses have closed and the state the the state university system under the board of governors 
Ori made the decision to provide partial refunds for students on housing and meal plans. Okay. But the students who live off campus have not been given any type of flexibility from these uh, building managers. In fact, they have been even more strict with students saying that you don't have to leave this apartment. You could still stay in this apartment. Rent is due. It's your choice if you don't want to live here, but rent is due. And and tying these students and their families to these leases that, that students literally can't afford. And we have to remember too, that students, many students are, they work while they learn. So they have on job jobs on campuses. They have jobs in the restaurant industry or tourism. And many of these students also don't qualify for the same federal programs or even state programs that others might. Uh, For example, the, the, the stimulus checks we talked about earlier. So those are, are going to go to the majority of Americans, right? Is what experts have said. And it's, and the, the formulas um, should lead to that. However, uh, parents cannot consider a, a dependent child who's over the age of 18 in their uh, stimulus check amount as that extra $500 per child. So if your child is over 18, but still a dependent, you will not get money for that. And students who, fi- who have filed as a dependent on their parents' taxes will also not receive any type of benefit whatsoever. So this is also a population of folks that are not going to see federal relief, and yet they're still being asked to pay their $809 a month rent, despite the fact they're not living there and probably won't live there for uh, the whole summer. Because I know at UCF anyways, UCF has already said that they're going to be doing summer online because the concern of the long-term impact of COVID-19. So we were letter to the governor asking him alongside representative Carlos Guillermo Smith to put in place an executive order that would allow students to break their leases and uh, uh, not have to carry the weight of um, an additional cost that, that they a cannot afford, but B aren't even using anymore. So they shouldn't have to pay for it either. Excellent. So if I, if I heard correctly, it, it sounds like if you're a 18 year old, 19 year old college student who's still dependent on your parents or sort of in limbo, you're not going to get correct or in either direction, right? Correct. And you might not even be able to apply for unemployment insurance because um, many folks that are like on campus employees, they don't get the same benefits as others. Um, and so you know, your ability to even qualify for some sort of weekly support is not there either. And so these students really have no place to turn. And we've heard from families and students of just how difficult this, this is for them economically. Parents sharing very personal stories of, um, of deaths in their family, of their job losses, and of uh, intentional efforts to work with these apartments to even say, hey, give us a discount, right? Like families have been trying every single opportunity, every single angle to try to at least lessen the burden. And these companies have provided no flexibility whatsoever. And after we wrote our letters, so we wrote letters to each apartment complex, also asking them to provide this flexibility and encouraging them to um, explore federal relief programs and they might have access to compared to students. And, And then we sent our letter to the governor and those actions this past week have resulted in many, many students and families contacting our office, not just from the UCF area, but from across the state. So we've heard stories of similar, um, similar dynamics at, at USF, at FSU, and UF so far, 
And I assume colleges around the state and country are facing the same type of dynamic for their students. Yeah. I mean, I actually lived in, uh, I think I only lived in the dorm for one semester and then I lived in those the rest of the time I was at UCF. Right. I think there's certainly a case where like, yeah, I mean, you're an adult, you're 18, you're 19, but a lot of people, myself included at the time, didn't really understand the dynamics of the contract that you're entering into. And Correct. Such a good that. point of just like informed consent, right? Yeah, like, Absolutely. You know, with that, with my student loans, there's a, there's a whole slew of things where you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah give me the department, yeah, yeah, give me the money. Right. <laughs> you're like, oh, right. something's right. wrong. Then you're now you're forced to examine the. Totally. Well, and this is an act. Like, you know, people in the legal world call it an act of God, right? Like this type of situation, yep. it's out of, it's out of your control. And, and I think that alone should, should be enough to get these companies to realize that these students are not trying to fraud you. They literally can't afford it right now. And I will say COVID-19 has demonstrated some of the best in people and some of the best even in corporate America but uh, it's also demonstrated the worst. And the fact that these apartment complexes are, have, will not budge and it takes public pressure uh, to move the needle, hopefully even by a little, is super disappointing right now. Like every one of us is making sacrifices right now. Like you, you have to do that too. And so it's just, you know, we're, 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 we're very, very proud to be advocate on this. We're going to keep pushing and keep pushing. But the fact that we even have to like says a lot about, the uh, mission of these companies and, and, you know, how they're going after the dollar sign and trying to cover their own bases versus thinking about those who, who actually, they actually serve. Yeah. And I want to take that, um, that point to kind of open, open it a little wider here into kind of your, your ideology, your governing ideology and kind of personal and where those meet in terms of, you know, what would you like to see uh, as uh, a reset or the reevaluation in terms of those approaches and those values um, kind of right. on the side of this. Right. I mean, we have been fighting for working people since my first days in legislature, but even as an advocate when I was at Planned Parenthood, really trying to make sure that no matter how much money you made, no matter who you loved, who you worshiped, um, your disability status, your documentation status, um, your gender, that you're going to be able to live life to its fullest potential and, 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 and be able to uh, tap into a government that truly cares about you and is fighting for you. And it has consistently been uphill battle in Tallahassee advocating on these key points and, value, and leading all these values in the sense that first, there's so much pressure to not lead with those values. I mean, you, it's, it's, you know, corporations are so influential in Tallahassee um, and, and there's always, I think for many of my colleagues, they're, they're always navigating risk. You know, if I, if I say this or do this, who am I pissing off? What check am I losing? And, and, you know, we are fearless and, and I could care less what company might be angry today and tomorrow. Um, because I don't, I wasn't like to serve corporate overlords. Like I was like to serve everyday people in Florida. And we have some of the issues that we've championed include like, Anti corporate giveaways, calling out corporate refunds, um, uh, uh, fighting for uh, the repeal of, of different issues like the state's preemption on earned sick time, which actually came from Orange County because folks might remember, but Orange County back in 2012, I think, 2011, 
we were um, collecting petitions for a county ordinance on earned sick time that would have guaranteed uh, uh, families, you know, in any industry, right, to have earned sick time benefits, and the state preempted that. And so, uh, uh, you know, we have been just raging hard on all these issues and all these issues, and 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 never, never even getting, you know, hearings on our bills because um, we're seen as, you know, being anti to what the the majority wants. The majority wants policies that are pro quote pro business. Um, but I would say like pro political donors, right. About everything else. Cause rally too is if, if we really create mechanisms that hold corporations to save standards, everyone else, then small businesses will do better. Small businesses will blossom in that environment. Yeah. Like we're literally picking winners and losers in the current structure that we have. And so with all that said, um, you know, right now those inequities that we've talked about, those disparities that we've pointed out are, are getting, are, are getting front and center attention, um, because people who never thought they would live it are living it. And I've had, I had a six year old constituent email me from a very conservative part of our district, um, say he's never voted Republican again, because he's, he has recently learned the history of unemployment insurance and how, again, it was crafted, uh, by Republican leadership to not work. And so now that more and more people are, are realizing that, you know, things that we've been advocating for, it's not, it's, it's, not only um, true, <laughs> but it's something we have control to change. That I, 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 I'm, I'm going to continue to be very aggressive on on policy movement to address these issues. So that will include on you know, repealing the earned sick time preemption and 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 you know ideally passing earned sick time statewide, so employers actually have to participate and make sure that families have that. Um, in in fully funding public health programs so that DOH has the capacity to respond in real time to this crisis and the other crisis. Um, in ensuring that the unemployment insurance website not only works, but that we increase the 275 weekly allotment because it, it doesn't make sense someone can even survive with that much, in no, in no matter what the case is. Um, and then, of course, you know, when it just comes to um, the basics of medical cost, you know, right now the federal leave program is is helping to ensure that even if you don't have money, that you're not going to be denied COVID nineteen care. But no one should have to be poor or face bankruptcy because they're sick, right? Yeah. So, uh, so, so we're 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 going to be continuing to make these points and bring it to Tallahassee. We're also going to have to fight really hard this next session, whether it's a special session or um, or a, a normal session on. Uh, protecting some of the gains we made. So we were able to increase teacher funding last session. We were able to secure all the money for affordable housing versus it getting robbed and put in different budget places. And my, one of my biggest concerns is that my callers are going to roll back those accomplishments and push those money towards um, other budget holes without exploring other ways we can fill those budget holes. And you know, I'm going to be advocating to repeal corporate refunds to uh, close the corporate tax loophole by exploring combined reporting, which is basically uh, something that 23 states already do and counting that prevent largest companies, multi-state companies from hiding their money in different states that have more lax corporate uh, tax rules. Mm -hmm. And so there are other ways that we can uh, uh, fill any budget gaps we're going to face pro, uh, uh, at post COVID-19 
And so we're going to have to be advocating not only for better programs, but also just protecting parts of the budget that working people really need and deserve. So, so that's all on the table for us. And, and it's something we're already thinking about, planning for, and are going to be very, very aggressive on. Excellent. Well, I think that's a, a great note to close on, you know, thinking about what we can do moving forward. But in the immediate term, um, I know that you have been uh, pretty open to, to responding to folks who, who need assistance. Uh, if people need to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do so? Absolutely. I mean, super, super available for any type of question. Um, and folks have contacted us in every platform. So, I mean, we are on, on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Anna for Florida, all spelled out. Um, and, and, and I spent hours going through direct messages, but I will say probably the, the, the best way to get a response for me efficiently is through email. And my email is just Anna.Escamani at myfloridahouse.gov. And if you send me an email there, um, we will make sure that whatever that, that case is, whatever support you need, that we'll, we'll definitely, we'll definitely be there for you. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with us today. I'm proud to be a biased interviewer in this particular instance and uh, look forward to speaking with you again. Thank you, Corey. Look forward to seeing you soon. I hope, hope we'll be Excellent. able to see each other um, sooner or later. I hope so too. Talk to you soon. Have a good one. You too.